I want to talk today about contentment. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 4 so we continue on in this. Uh, but these words that Paul talks about here is, is this idea of being content. Being content. Now Webster's defines it as a state of happiness uh, and satisfaction. Being at peace with one's status, with one's situation, with one's possessions. Uh, another way of looking at it is kind of an ease of mind. And as I was studying this passage, I guess my question that I wanted to ask you is, how's your contentment level running right now? You know, m most of us have been pushed out of our norms. Uh, we're either working differently or maybe we've lost a job. Uh, we're not being able to go out, do some of the things that we normally have done. Uh, how's your contentment level running? Uh, some have found that, you know, being with family and the kids 24-7 uh, has added some stress and maybe a little discontent in their life that they weren't uh, really aware that was there. In fact, I came across this, uh, it, I think it was on Instagram, but I just laughed out loud. Tammy wanted to know. We just, we were laying there laughing, uh, but it said this, he says, you know, the quarantine has strained many marriages, but for some of us, it has enhanced our relationships. I'm lucky to have the most loving wife. Why, last night I woke up while she was holding a pillow tightly over my face, trying to protect me from COVID-19. And uh, don't know what your situation is, but I hope that's not it. Uh, but it's add stress this sense of contentment. I know that personally, as I've been talking to pastors, this has been a difficult time for many of us. Uh, I know in my own heart, you know, there's been those times of frustration. Why can't we just get back to normal? Uh, there's been those days that I've struggled with feeling a little blue, uh, which uh, not really me, but it's been hard. Uh, if Tammy was here, she would probably added the word uh, irritable from time to time. And, and so when he begins to talk about this idea of contentment, uh, and, and what he says is this idea of being content no matter the circumstances, I thought, man, what a good word for us. So let's read it together. Philippians 4, starting with verse 10, he says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me indeed you were concerned before but you lacked opportunity now that I speak from not that I speak from want for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am I know how to get along with humble means I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So here's, here's Paul, and you think about it. He was living under quarantine, right? He's in Rome. He's under house arrest, either chained to a Roman soldier or perhaps even chained, chained to the wall. He can't go out. He can't go do ministry like he normally would. He can't go out and preach. Uh, he's responsible uh, financially for paying for the house in which he's running. He can't go out and work. And yet in the midst of all of those 
pieces that you and I know and we're touching, what he talks about is there in, uh, in verse 11, is this idea that I'm content. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances that I'm in. And, and so I want to talk about contentment today and three things that we see about it in this passage. Now, before I do, I just want to mention verse 10 real quickly, because this is a verse that has given some people some pause. You almost get the idea that it's a backhanded compliment as we read it in our English when he says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Uh, indeed, you were concerned before but lacked opportunity. Basically, what he's doing is he's thanking them for sending him this gift. And some have thought, well, what a, what a way to put that, that, talking about at last you have revived. And, and so I wanted to speak to that for a moment because part of it is, you know, culture is not how we would express it. Uh, you also have to understand that when it talks, uses the word revived, it, it's, a, it's a Greek word that speaks about um, springtime. It, spring, it, it speaks about flowers beginning to blossom, uh, plants beginning to, to bring forth fruit. And, and we all know that that takes time and, and it's stuff that's put it in the ground and you're kind of in this barren place and all of a sudden you get up one day and now you have this beautiful color of the flowers. And that really, I think, is the heart of what he's talking about here. It's not a matter of, hey, where were you? But it's the fact that, hey, in this time of, of my life, which has been hard, it's been barren, your gift uh, has really ministered to me. And that's why he talks about, I greatly rejoice in the Lord. So I don't think it's a, a negative at all, but it's an extreme positive of which he's thankful for them in doing this. And then he moves on then in verse 11. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content. And the first thing that we need to know about contentment is that it is learned. It's not a natural peace that we're just born with in fact we have this new little baby in our house or not our house but our our family right little baby may and uh she you know when she's hungry she lets you know now she's a really good little baby uh but there are those moments and then uh nanny and i got to to watch the kids just this the other three just this Last night, in fact, if you see the bags under my eyes, you'll at least know now why. And what a wonderful time we had with them. But, you know, there's always this thing that they want more. In fact, the, there was this game that uh, the nanny had put on her iPad. And, that, you know, they all want to play it, right? We're not normally naturally bent towards contentment i mean you go back to the garden of eden they're living in perfection they're living with everything their heart could desire and yet when they're offered more or the sense that there's more out there that they don't have that's what creates the lust in their heart to now disobey god you think about how you know the economies of the world are built upon this this idea that hey we we want more uh, you know that over there is just a little bit better this desire to uh to just have something a little bit better uh, I, I i drive an older car which i love but periodically when i travel I, i'll 
you know, have to run a car. And now it's got all the, you know, the new bells and whistles, the backup camera. And, and it's got the, you know, it syncs with your, your phone right away. And all, you know, brings up the GPS right there on the dashboard. So you don't have to look down, you know, which is not safe to do. Uh, and, and it's great. You can say, man, I would like that. And it's this idea that we're almost inbred in within us is this desire to want more. And not this idea of being content with, with what we have. And that's what, that's what he's talking about here, that we have been called to this idea of contentment. And you think about Paul, who we don't know a whole lot but Paul, who was born in Tarsus, then they seemingly moved to Jerusalem, and then he is trained and sits at the feet of Gamaliel, one of the top rabbis. Most likely, he came from a family that had money, that had resource. And what he says here is that I have had to learn contentment. And what a wonderful reminder to us as believers that God always has us in his school. He's always teaching us things. And that believers in any and every situation, as he uses that phrase in verse 12, God is using it to teach us, to develop us, to make us more like Christ. That these things that we walk through, and you think about Paul who had, you know, had some really wonderful days of ministry when, when many people came to believe and, and, and there was times of abundance as, as people gave to support him. And then there were the times that were difficult, the times of the beatings and, and being falsely accused and, and in jail and, and times when nobody stood with him. And his whole point is, is that through it all, God has taught me and used these things in my life to teach me this idea of how to be satisfied, how to be content. Really reminded me of that scripture in James uh, chapter 1. Where James starts, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. That's the same thing James is saying. Hey, when you go through difficult times, don't get upset. Don't wonder, hey, what's, what's God doing here? But you can consider it joy because God is in the process of teaching you. He's in the process of continuing to mature you, to make you, you more like Christ in the midst of all of this. Now, that doesn't mean that God causes these things. I mean, sin, disease, they're part of this, this fallen world that God lets go on. But I don't think God causes it. I don't think God caused COVID. But can he use it? Absolutely. God can use all things in our life to teach us and to move us on. And, you know, there was a, an analogy that was given to me as a young boy that always really struck my heart every time I thought about it. And that is, is that God is at work at all of us to make us not only to the image of Christ, but to fit into his body, his, you know, we're, we're being built up, Paul tells us, into that temple of God. And if you go back to the Old Testament, when Solomon built the first temple, there's a very interesting verse in 1 Kings chapter 6. It says the house, and that's speaking about the house of the Lord, the temple, while it was being built, 
uh, it was being built of stone that was prepared at the quarry and there was neither hammer nor axe nor any iron tool heard in the house while it was being built. There was no scraping and sanding and knocking off in the temple area. That was all done back in the quarry. That's when they were brought out uh, of the big rocks and then they were they were shaped down to a square and then they were sanded and then they were polished and all that was done so that by the time they were ready to be put in, it was a perfect fit. Folk, you and I are in the quarry here. God is building his church. And what he is doing in my life and in your life through these times is he's knocking off the rough edges. He, he's taking those tools and sanding this down so that we will fit perfectly into that temple of God, that bride of Christ, so that there will be none of this pain when we get home. And part of what Paul is saying is that through my life and all that I've been through, God has been knocking off some of those rough edges, the edges of not being content, of always wanting more, uh, and then you think about it in the context of the book and you're reminded that contentment is that piece of life that so reflects Jesus. Remember back Philippians 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Through, although he was in the form of God and didn't think it robbery to be made equal with God because he was, but he took upon himself the form of a servant servant and he came and he he became obedient to the point of death even death on the cross and he was content to do all of that because it was the will of God that sense of contentment with what we have so the first thing that we know about contentment it's not natural it's it's learned and maybe that's one of the things that God is trying to build into the life of his children, even through this, that we should be content wherever we are. The second thing that we learn is that contentment travels. You say, well, Steve, what do you mean by that? Well, contentment, at least Christ-like contentment, is not tied to the positive circumstances of life. It's not just in the abundance. It's not just in those, in when everything is going good. His whole point here is that whatever the circumstances, in fact, look at all the contrasts that he uses here. He says, uh, I know how to get along with humble means. I know how to live in prosperity. Uh, the, in every circumstances, uh, I've learned whether being filled or going hungry, having abundance or suffering need. Christ-like contentment travels because it's not dependent upon the circumstances. Uh, in the midst of all of this COVID and shutdown and things, there's been some, you know, some funny things out there if you can you know, look for the humor and things. And uh, if you were on social media much, you know when it all hit, they got, a, they got a boatload of stars and celebrities to come out and talk about, hey, stay home, stay safe. You know, we're all doing it for one another. And it was so cute and, and good and everybody felt warm and fuzzy until, uh, I don't know, maybe 24 hours later, all of a sudden the 
pictures of the mansions where these people were holed up at their house, you know, and, and now people are saying, well, I don't live in that kind of mansion. I don't have a good kind of, you know, people around to go out and do my stuff. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, the backlash came. And here's the point. What they were looking at was the contentment was tied to the circumstances. But Christ-like contentment isn't. Christ-like contentment travels, whether it's the good or the bad. You, you think of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you. Well, actually, the Lord told him that. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. And Paul says, most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in, in me. Now, you remember the context of this. Paul had been given a thorn in the flesh. Some type of something, in fact, calls it a minister of Satan, there to torment him. So this wasn't something easy. This was something that was difficult. This was something he even asked the Lord three times to take away, and God says no. And he says, my grace is sufficient. So that's the context. The very next verse, listen to what Paul says. Paul says, therefore, I am well content content, at peace, satisfied. I'm okay with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And that's the beautiful piece about Christ-like contentment. When we can learn in him to be content, no matter the circumstances, that contentment travels it takes us through the times of plenty we're content it takes us through the times of want it takes us through the times of blessings it walks us through the times of hurts in the midst of the thirst we find the satisfaction for that thirst in jesus it's that contentment that's not dependent upon what's going on around me because my contentment is found in Christ. And that's really the third thing that we see here. And that's verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, this is the verse that, quite honestly, you probably learned way back yonder. Uh, it's a verse that we see quoted a lot. It's a wonderful verse. And the heart of it is this, that true Christ-like contentment is only found in that intimate, personal relationship with Jesus. Because in Him, in His strength, I can do all things. Now, sadly, this is one of those verses that is often misquoted. I mean, we often see it in a sense of a sports uh, context you know you'll have somebody that's got it written maybe on the you know on their shoes or something philippians 4 3 i can do all things and almost like this it, it's almost this idea that i can accomplish these great superhuman strengths i can overcome in this day of battle i can i can do this because christ is the one that strengthens me uh, and, and that would be a wonderful idea though the problem is it's not what paul's saying here He's not trying to say that, hey, I can do this superhuman strength. I mean, folk, the reality is there are certain things you and I can't do. Uh, 
one of the things I've tried to do during this, uh, this lockdown piece, and uh, I've tried to get back out and exercising and trying to run a couple times a week. And I, I just, I'm not a runner. Uh, you throw a ball out there, I can do it. But it's just not one of my favorite things. And, uh, but I've been trying to get back out and run three times a week. And the reality is today that I could not go out and run a marathon. I Jesus, no Jesus. In fact, if I went out and ran a marathon, I'd meet Jesus probably about mile 10. He would just wave me on home. It, it's not going to happen. Uh, I'm not going to dunk a basketball on a 10-foot rim. Uh, in my very best day, <laughs> uh, in the midst of my youth, I wasn't going to do that. And so that's not what he's saying here. In fact, the idea here is, is not this idea that we are just these, these super, you can do whatever your mind wants just because you got Jesus. That's not the context. The context is, is verse 12, is that in any and every circumstance, I can overcome, I can face it. In fact, I love the way the NIV puts this. It says, I can do all this through him who strengthens me. I can face the times that are difficult. I can face the adversity. I can walk through contented in the time of blessing. I can do it all. Whatever lies in my path, I can overcome. Why? Because I have Jesus. Man, he's with me. So you know in those times of loneliness, ah, I can do all things because I've got Jesus with me. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. When, um, when those pangs of fear start to come, I can do all things to Christ because perfect love casts out all fear. He's given me the spirit of love and power. It's, I can do all things. Why? Because I have Jesus. Jesus is the one so I can face whatever comes in my life and, and therefore I can be content so if we're going into this time of lack I can be content because I know he's with me he's going to see me he's going to provide the provision he's going to take me through and, and I know that I hit this time of prosperity that I'm going to deal with that okay too because he's with me what, what Paul is trying to remind us of here is that our contentment has to be found in Christ. That I am contented in my circumstances because I've got Jesus. And he's the one that never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I don't have to live in the midst of the circumstances and get all worried and upset. I can be content because I have Christ and he will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. Folk, contentment is found in Jesus. We learn contentment through all the things that he walks us through, that he'll be faithful and take us through it. We then begin to learn that that contentment, it, it it travels because a lot of our life is good. A lot of our life are the wonderful times. But we know that Jesus is with us in the difficult times just as much. And so as we lean into Jesus, we don't have to want. We can be content. And I couldn't help but think of that beautiful psalm 
uh, probably all of you know it, Psalm 23, that it is Jesus who is the one who takes away all of our wants because he is our shepherd. And remember what David said? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And think about it. I shall not want for rest because he makes me lie down in green pastures. I shall not want for refreshment for he leads me beside the still waters. I will not want for forgiveness for he restores my soul. I will not want for guidance for he'll lead me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. I, I will not want for companionship for yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. <laughs> I will not want for comfort because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I will not want for provision for you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I will not want for joy because you have anointed my head with oil and my cup overflows. And I will not want for anything in this life for surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will want nothing in the life to come because your promise is that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus is the one who strengthens us. Jesus is where our contentment is found. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So how's your contentment doing today? And I think when we look and we find that those, those pieces of, of discontent in our heart, for those of us that know him, that's the Holy Spirit beginning to tug and just say, hey, why don't you turn that over to me? Why don't you rest in me? Why don't you lay that at my feet? Let me take care of that. And maybe you're sitting there and going, Steve, man, I, I just don't get it. I, I just don't have that contentment. Then maybe, maybe what you need to do is look at your relationship with Jesus. Have you come to know him? He loves you. I mean, he loves you so much that he came and he died for you, stood in your place so that you could be forgiven, so that he could be your shepherd, so that you could have the promise of eternal life. And knowing him simply comes by faith. Putting your trust in him and what he did for you, inviting him to be your savior. And uh, if you've never done that, you can do that right where you are. Wherever you're watching this video, you can just say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to be my Savior. And back on our website, where you clicked on this video, there's a little box there that says, say yes to Jesus. And maybe you just did, or maybe you got some questions. If you'll click on that box, fill out that information, one of us that are here at Desert Springs will get a hold of you. We would love to talk with you about how you can know that personal relationship with Christ and the contentment that he brings.